Simple Life Together, Episode 31, Simplicity Resources and Learning Styles in Organizing. Hi, and welcome to Simple Life Together, a podcast dedicated to leading a simpler life in the modern world. I'm Dan Hayes. And I'm Vanessa Hayes. Welcome back to Simple Life Together. On the last episode, Dan talked about habits, routines, rituals, and rhythms, and I shared some tips about beginning with the end in mind. On today's show, Dan's going to share some simplicity resources that got him started on his journey, and I'm going to talk about some learning styles to help you organize and work with others. And this is just a reminder that if you have any questions or comments about anything we talk about here on the show, you can always reach us at dan at simplelifetogether.com. Vanessa at SimpleLifeTogether.com or on Twitter. And uh, you can find our Twitter information now at the end of the show, and it's also on the website. So I did want to mention the Google Drive tutorial. Mm -hmm. Thanks again to all those who've downloaded it. We've been having a pretty good response on that, actually. And if you're interested, it's just about an hour long and focuses on all the fundamentals of Google Drive for creating and sharing and storing documents using Google's free, full-fledged Office Suite. And once again, it's available for $7.99 for one more week, and then it goes up to the full price. Yeah, and like I said before, you can save a few bucks and have immediate access by going to simplelifetogether.com slash Google Drive for all the details. Plus, if you're not completely satisfied, like we said before, we'll give you your money back. So no clutter and no risk. It's very simple. Easy That's how breezy. we like it. Mm -hmm. There you go. <laughs> okay, well, Dan, you're up first today again. Two weeks in a row. You're What's lucky up with man. that? I'm telling you. <laughs> I sure am. So, yeah, I want to talk today about um, some simplicity resources. And, you know, a couple of episodes ago, we talked about the start of our journey towards simplicity. And so I thought I'd share a couple of resources that influenced me as, as I started the journey. And some of these still do. I mm -hmm. still, still use these to this day. So it's like most things. When somebody asks you how you know something or where you learned it, oftentimes it's the first thing that comes to mind is, well, I don't know, I just... I just learned it, <laughs> right. you know, and uh, which is typically true. You know, we each have our own, I guess, like a unique path that we're traveling down and you just pick things up along the way. And so it can be hard to say definitely, you know, where along the path that you picked up a, a certain skill or a tidbit of knowledge or or even harder yet, an entire philosophy mm -hmm. like simplicity. So the problem I had while putting together the list here is that as I was thinking about it, I said, oh, this would be a cool topic to talk about, you know, because we, we did talk about the beginning of our journey, but I really wanted to give something out that was a little bit actionable. And so I said, well, let me make a list of things that I used. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is when I really, when I sat down to do that, they didn't really seem like simplicity resources, right. really. So <laughs> as a matter of fact, a lot of them are straight out business resources, right. but our business is a big part of our lives. And, you know, it's influenced our ability to simplify our lives immensely. So I couldn't just leave out those resources. <laughs> and, and that whole part of the story, you know, things don't happen in a vacuum, and they're all intertwined and uh, lots of different causes and effects going on. And, you know, there's lots of different actions that you take that have reactions. And all of those things influenced me as far as the resources went. So I just wanted to kind of put that up front that while they may not seem like simplicity resources, to me, they were a lot of those things that got me in the mindset of, this is all kind of leading up to that conversation we had on the plane that when I leaned over to you and I said, 
you know, I don't know what we're going to get out of out of the conference this year, but I know one thing: I really want to simplify our lives. That's right. And so, all of this stuff had been leading up to that over years. And so, I I just wanted to kind of. And a lot of these I've talked about before, and I know I'm not being real coherent on this, <laughs> and I'm putting a lot of preface on this, but but it's uh, these are just things that I uh, that I really I really used as as part of my journey. So, and I also need to preface this that for all my adult life, my day to day existence was focused on doing my duty to to leading and and learning and doing things that you'd expect from a career military guy. But throughout this, I was kind of starting a transition, and. You know, there's a there's a saying from Ben Franklin that says uh, most men die at 25. We just don't bury them until they're 70. Oh my gosh! And I never wanted that apl- to apply to me. Right. You know, I luckily I was always able to kind of shape what I did in my previous career to where I could always be where the action was, doing things that other people didn't want to do, and I loved it. Yeah. And it was a great, great career. But as I prepped for this transition, I knew I wanted things to be on my terms. Right. You know, for for 27 years previous to that, it was, okay, do my duty, and I gotta, this is what I got to do. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so that was the kind of how I framed everything. I wanted to make sure I could do it the way I wanted to do it, and that was my lens. So consider that as I go through this list, too. I was you know, looking at starting a business and all that stuff. I honestly wasn't sure what the heck I wanted to do. And, and you'll, and I'll, we'll get into that as I go forward. Right. So what I want to do for each resource is I'll give you a, a, a good portion of the, um, the five W's and the H remember that the who, what, when, where, why, and how. <laughs> yeah. I talked about that way back in episode 10 when I revealed some secret, but simple military communication Ooh, techniques. Good. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, that is, this is all the hearkening back to that to that episode a long time ago. But I'm going to focus on kind of books, blogs, and podcasts. And then maybe even, I might even throw in a couple of people along the way. Okay. So the first one I want to cover is, and I've mentioned, like I said, I've mentioned all of these before. Um, the who is Tim Ferriss, and the what is the four-hour work week. The when is, I first read this in 2008. I think it was the first year that it came out. And uh, there's a, a link to that in the show notes for anybody who's interested. That was That's two aware. years before you retired from, so you were right. just, right. It was two years. Just kind of thinking yeah. about it already. We, so. we okay. just moved from San Antonio to Tampa. Uh-huh. We just got there. And, and that's when I first picked up that book. So this was the first book that really opened up the whole idea of not following that deferred retirement lifestyle mm-hmm. that we've mentioned a lot. Yes. And a uh, main premise of the book focuses on numerous, like mini retirements throughout your life versus waiting for the deferred retirement plan followed by most people. And we've talked about this quite a bit. Well, in the book, Tim guides you through developing what he calls a muse or a side business that supports the lifestyle you want to live. And I talked about that quite a bit, the deferred retirement um, concept in episode 29, just a couple episodes ago. And we also talked about it in our About Us video, and there's links to those in the show notes. So I'm not going to go too deeply into that here because we just discussed that not too long ago. But I did take that and I adapted that just a little bit. And essentially for us, it's a little bit different. We've always had my, well, for the past few years anyway, a couple of years, we've had my military pension to kind of back us up. And that's allowed us to develop our lifestyle businesses around what we truly love to do versus having to worry too much about it being our sole source of income. Right. So I know that we didn't have to just take this huge leap of faith. We did have some backup there. Mm-hmm. So that's certainly an advantage that we have. We could take that 
advantage that and kind of take our time and tweak things and make them truly reflect what we're passionate about and not just what would sell to others. You know what I mean? As we started our businesses, we had the latitude to be able to do that. Yes. And so, so I want to kind of get into the how that was the, that was a, a good bit of the why that book influenced me. But the how is the four hour work week really sparked our dive and specifically me. And then I passed a lot of that along to you sparked our dive into the possibility of, of a or many lifestyle businesses. Mm-hmm. And that got me focused on starting you on your path yeah, first, remember? remember? Mm-hmm. And I'll admit it, what followed, like setting up a website, soaking in all the, and you know, then there were new social media platforms and learning as much as I could about starting a business and becoming a solopreneur. That was far from simple. <laughs> that I spent, you know, I'd get home from hours. work and I would work for hours and hours and hours on that. But as we've often said, sometimes simplicity is the outcome of many not so simple efforts, Absolutely. right? I was using so, it today with my with some of the assistant organizers today. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just how it is. Yeah. And uh, I honestly, I think I would be underestimating if I said I spent around five hundred hours just learning about and building your website. Mm, wow. You know. And uh, made a lot of mistakes, but learned from them. Wow. And, uh, but, and the good thing is I captured all of that process and I simplified it the best I could. And that's all the stuff that I wrote in the Simple Life website guide. And just kind of as a side note, you can get that f- uh, for free at simplelifetogether.com slash website guide. And that'll save you. And that's free. Tons of time. I, I promise you it'll save you. All I'm right. looking at you like 500 yeah. hours, and he oh, hasn't yeah. sent me the invoice yet. I'm waiting for that. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. So, but <laughs> That's a lot it of is, time. It is. And, but that all kind of sparked out of the four-hour work week. So my four hours a four-hour week, <laughs> how long is yeah. that? Is that yeah. 10 years? Yeah. But, uh, but you know, of course, the, um, it also included that book, four-hour work week. It had other topics that are near and dear to my heart. Yes. And... You know, things I've heard about before doing, you know, way back in the day in the military doing total quality management principles yes. and all that stuff. Oh my gosh. But it talked well. about Pareto's 80-20 rule, Parkinson's law, Occam's razor, and other things. I talk, talked a lot about that back in episode four. Well, the thing about Tim Ferriss, too, is that, you know, I always call him, he's like the life hacker extraordinaire. I mean, he really is talking about, you know, hacking your work life, hacking your personal life. I mean, just how to make things simpler. And, um, you know, there's a whole backstory on him and how he's been able to kind of cut through the chase to get to where he wants to go. He just practicing really kind of the eighty twenty rule, cutting out all the, the stuff that causes way too much work for little return. Yeah. He cuts that kind of stuff out. Or how he hacked the whole, was he like, a, was it not jiu-jitsu, but he was some kind of uh, karate kind of dude, champion <laughs> or something. Yeah, I think it was Chinese kickboxing. Yeah, and he was a and world be, champion. A world champion there, uh, but only. Dancer. Yeah, all that stuff. But yeah. I mean, he just maxes out, so he just kind of figures out. How, so if anything, I mean, he helps to kind of simplify things in a way or teach well, you how to kind of. A lot of that is, is he he figures out the best way to train yourself to do something, yeah. not by following the standard path, but by by following certain experts who aren't ne- necessarily naturals at it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, since I have, do have a training background and I love that tr- the training aspect, a lot of that appeals to me too. That's, his book, um, his recent book, The 4-Hour Chef, deals with that a lot. It's mm-hmm. not just about cooking. It's the about... The 4-Hour Body and all that, all, all that stuff it talks about. Just really cool. Right. So that. so that's, and, and you know, uh, it was really cool to be able to talk with Tim and, um, you know, for a, a short period of time and meet him and, and uh, to say thanks to him, you know, yeah, for, for what he said. I, and I know that the guys that operate at his level, they probably get that a hundred times a day. But from me, 
having a couple of moments to talk, him taking a few moments to talk with me, who he you know probably wouldn't remember me from Adam, sure. but um, uh, that he took the time and was incredibly polite. And a lot of guy, a lot of people think he's he's a BSer. You know, I think Tim's a real deal, and I I certainly appreciate the knowledge that he's passed on to me through his products. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so that's it for the four hour work week. So the next up is a favorite, which also you've heard me talk about quite a bit. And uh, the who on that is Dan Miller. And uh, the what is 48 Days to the Work You Love. And and it's both the book and the podcast. And when I I started listening to Dan Miller in 2008, too, Mm -hmm. and I had a, you know, sometimes had a long commute to and from work, not all the time, but I would spend every free second in the car, I would spend listening to to podcasts. That's right. I still, I'm still like that. I don't listen to the radio. I don't want to, I just don't like to be hit with uh, the advertisements and all that stuff. And I'm just the total opposite. I'm just, I, um, I like to listen to my music when I'm working out and stuff because it just gets me in the zone. It's my ritual we talked about last week. But yeah, and I love that you absorb that, but I just feel like I'm always moving, moving, moving. I just need some time when I'm in the car to just kind of zone out, you know? Yeah. But anyway. It's pretty. It's it's amazing what you have picked up though and learned. I mean, yeah, he was listening. You were listening to the podcast every time you're in the car. Every I single mean, time, I listened to their entire back catalog. You name it. Yeah, so, awesome. so Dan Miller was a was a huge influence through the Forty Eight Days podcast mm-hmm. and Forty Eight Days of the Work You Love. So, and I'll put links to both of those in the show notes. And the why on this is Dan's podcast is one of the very first that I ever listened to on a regular basis. And uh, back in the day, I used to go to the to the base library, you know, and check out audiobooks on cassette. And when podcasts came out, I dabbled with podcasts a little bit. But I was amazed at how much information was available in free podcasts, and I just soaked it all in. And and then from that, listening to these people who spent the time to do this free podcast, I bought some of their books, some of their courses, some of their tutorials, and I still do. And you know, I really started charting my path. Well, I guess our path. I started charting our yeah, path. Yeah, because you this encouraged time. me to read it, and I did read that. And yeah, and I and I would recommend that to anybody who's considering a change in career. That's a great book. So, okay, now on to the how. And Dan uh, Miller's Forty Eight Days podcast, I found an incredible amount of inspiration and actionable advice that helped get me started. And if you haven't heard Dan Miller before, he's this. I mean, he just comes across as this wise, mm-hmm. fatherly, mm-hmm. sometimes Dutch uncleish way of, <laughs> of getting you to ask yourself the tough questions to figure out ways to find your true passion mm-hmm. and offers possible ways to use that passion kind of as a resource for income. And I think his podcast was the first one I ever actually sus- subscribed to. And I still listen to it to this day. And I'm also a member of his 48days.net community. And so his podcast, his books, his community, and, and hopefully someday I'll get to attend one of his seminars too. But all these things have been a big help to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there were times that I thought I knew what I wanted to do for a business, but uh, then I realized it, it just wasn't what I was meant to do. But that doesn't mean that was a bad or, or wasted experience. And so I've, I've reverted back to that 48 Days podcast a few times to kind of figure it out and, and 48 Days book too. Well, and then, I love that, but because there's a part in there too that talks about the life plan, and I think yeah. that we use that in conjunction with some other resources. Yeah, and he talks about what do you want for your future and this yeah. and that, and kind of think you got to consider that stuff. And so I like, and it, and he looks at things that are that are 
uh, in line with your your beliefs and your morals and all that. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, anyway all around. I can't say enough good stuff about it. And I would recommend yeah. if you're in that boat where you want to make a switch, that'd be a good one to check out. I think. And another one that I, you know, as I was prepping for this, I. I um I didn't take a lot of notes on it, but it was uh, Internet Business Mastery oh, was yeah. uh, another one, and it, that was the first one that really talked about doing an internet business and making money online. And I just think that that was a fantastic podcast. I couldn't believe the amount of information that they put out as well. Um, Jeremy and Jay, or Jay and Sterling, I think they they call themselves on there. But uh, and I've also got to meet them and at New Media Expo in Vegas and and thank them too. Cool. So that was a fantastic show. I think that was the second podcast I ever subscribed to. Uh, Dan's was first, I think, and theirs was second. But you know, I just mentioned how sometimes you get uh, you think you're influenced to start down one road, and then you realize it's kind of a dead end path, <laughs> and. The one podcast that kind of started me down that road, and then I figured out it was kind of a dead end. And it wasn't the show's fault. The show was fantastic. It was my fault. But that's the next one I'm going to talk about. My buddy, Cliff Ravenscraft, and his co-host at the time, Andy Traub. And the the podcast was Business Tech Weekly. <laughs> and I loved that show. Yeah. I loved that show. It was fantastic. And I started listening to that shortly after Dan Miller and, uh, and Internet Business Mastery. And... The show isn't being recorded anymore. You can certainly find the original episodes in iTunes. And again, I'll put a link for that in the show notes. Just search for um, Business Tech Weekly. So the why on that is you can probably already tell from the, from the show title. It was like tailor-made for me. It's about business. It's about tech. It's like I call it a digital Reese's Cup. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, Business Tech Weekly was my digital Reese's Cup. It was meant for me. And there it is, folks, the Dannerism. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the how on that is, well, together, Cliff and Andy would discuss new programs, apps, devices, yeah, anything cool new. Yeah, exactly. Anything new in tech that came out that business owners and solopreneurs might benefit from. And it hit me. That's exactly what I love. And I could build a business around helping business owners who were confused about technology or intimidated by all the options or, or just didn't have time to get into it all. That's, a, that's exactly what I love to do. And I could do it yeah. for them. <laughs> and what a great business. And so, you know, I, I, went, I, I pursued that for a while as a side gig. I actually did a pretty good at it. And yeah. I had a decent website and a couple of clients to keep me busy on the side. And it seemed like it would work out great, except I fell into that trap of turning something that I enjoyed as a hobby into a business. Entered the E-Myth. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And it, it was. It was just like uh, E-Myth Revisited, another, another yeah. book that mm-hmm. um, uh, that is a, a really a fantastic book by Michael Gerber, E-Myth Revisited. So mm-hmm. anyway, as I, uh, I started not to enjoy it anymore. Yeah. And so you know what? I just stopped doing it. And I still help people out from time to time with it, but... You know, as that is the core of my business, I'm, I don't do that anymore. But it did give me some terrific experience kind of explaining tech to people who aren't tech savvy. And, and I have a new outlet for that hobby. And guess where I share tech advice and apps and all that stuff? Well, right here. Right here. Simple Life Together. Well, that's right. So I love sharing the tech tips and I don't feel any pressure to make a penny from any of it. It's not the core of my business and it's something extra that I like to be able to share. So, of course, I'm a big fan of my friend Cliff Ravenscraft. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned in the initial episodes of the show, without his podcasting mentorship, this show would definitely not be what it is today. uh -uh. 
And that's just proof that although you may start out on one azimuth toward a goal, you might find your true destination on a completely different course. And that was the case with Business Tech Weekly, and it led me right to Cliff's show, Podcast Answer Man. There you go. Which, you know, I, I'm a big Cliff fan. That worked and, out well, though. And, and I, I'm thankful for his mentorship on all this stuff, and I watch him Thursday mornings, usually record the show live. So, And uh, Cliff and I had a real good time and uh, at New Media Expo yeah, in Vegas this right. year, and I really, really <laughs> count on him when I when I need some advice about podcasting. I, he's the guy I go to. So, and uh, and that's not just podcasting. He's an, he inspires me by doing his what he loves mm-hmm. better than anybody else in the world, and being able to make a living at that's it. Right. So it's really, really cool. And I also started to read more and more blogs. And one that really struck a chord with me, and this was also back in 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. was Leo Babauta. And his blog is zenhabits.net. And all of this was, again, going on around the same time. And the, it resonated with me because, if you recall from previous shows, within a couple of years, Vanessa and I got married, we merged households, had a baby, moved a couple of times. We had lots of these huge major life events going on. And of course, they cause two things, stress and contemplation about how we're going to live our lives together. And that contemplation really, that got me thinking more and more and more about minimalism and goal setting, which is funny, because now Leo's like anti goal, you know, (laughs) but it also got me thinking about (laughs) living simply, you know, all the moving and just having the stuff. And it was also a pretty major influence uh, for me at the time. On, uh, like I said, this was between 2008, 2009, on my thinking about organization. And I didn't really share Leo's site with, with you, Vanessa, right away. Um, honestly, if you were just too busy taking care of the little girl at the time to be much of a blog reader. Mm-mm. But the things Leo kept discussing about organization and, you know, simplifying it in his blog, I totally saw you doing that at home, mm-hmm. you know? So I'd come home from work and, you know, Vanessa was. <laughs> she like moving things around, getting rid of things, putting them in their place, all this stuff. And, you know, I don't know if you were just doing it to, <laughs> to keep your sanity. I always said, man, if I go blind, I'm screwed. Yeah, you know, because I don't know what anything is. Oh, but my whole purpose was to make it more efficient. Right, I know. But, I know. but the backstory here, though, is at the same time, I was ready to get back into the workforce, too. I was thinking about it. Right. And so, you know, reading Dan Miller's 48 Days of Work You Love and all this stuff, and then you were reading this at the same time. So it's just funny how these things were yeah. kind of happening so, at the same time. Exactly. So um, yeah, like like you said, you were searching for what was next for you career-wise. Yeah. And I saw a blurb somewhere about professional organizers. And so I looked it up. I found the website for uh, the National Association of Professional Organizers. Sent it to you in an email and said, this is what you were meant to do. And I said, ha, 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 yeah, she very thought I was joking. funny. I didn't even open the email for three days. Yep. I was like, funny, because I thought it was a joke. Yep. And then I was like, you know what, maybe, actually, there uh-huh. was a link in here. I better check it out. And then <laughs> that's the rest of the story then. Yep. And that's that was, how it all started. That's how it all started. And then I started working that 500 hours on that website. But, <laughs> that's right. So. You did. <laughs> so, all right. So, some other blogs that uh, that were influential uh, michaelhyatt.com before it was like huge now it's a huge blog and i still i still read it i still mm-hmm. am definitely influenced by it but the thing that really got me on that initially was his life plan and the platform info that he shared a lot but that was long before his book platform was out and i also just appreciate his take on things yeah 
And uh, so MichaelHyatt.com was a big influencer. What's it, intentional leadership or? Yeah, that's his tagline. Tag yeah. And stuff, but, yeah. So he's just got a lot, a lot of advice and stuff. Yeah. It's good stuff. And then BecomingMinimalist.com with Joshua Becker, who's been on the show. Yeah. And then uh, it was just inspirational for pursuing minimalism, even with a family. The guy's got a family, got kids, you know, he's got, he's got a day job, yeah. you know. So um, I just, I found that inspiring. And then this one, I don't know why, but... It looks so cool. It just uh, it really got to me design-wise because I do like things design-wise. I like them nice and clean and all that. And I didn't even own a Mac at the time, I don't think. I don't think I got a Mac until like 2009. Oh, and I started maybe, reading yeah, this earlier. Yeah. But it was minimalmac.com. I just like the look and feel of it. And they, they, they shared a lot of great info. Huh. So um, I didn't know about the Minimal Mac. Yeah. Hmm. And some books, other books that I haven't mentioned already. Uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. We've mentioned that one quite a bit. And the first time I read that was in the 90s. Um, That was part of uh, a military curriculum that I was going through. And uh, another one is Rework by Jason Fried of 37 Signals. The thing that I really like about that is it's one of these books that you could sit and like read, read it from cover to cover in like 40 minutes. It's a small book. Each page is its own thing. Uh And... um, it just basically takes you through a lot of lessons regarding business and warns you not to fall into the trappings of more and complicated when starting your business. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do it. You can you can bootstrap things and all that. And it's it simplifies things. Yeah. So go figure. I liked it. And then another book that doesn't have anything to do with simplicity other than a simple way to deal with people is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Yeah. And I've made this re- required reading for our, our son, uh-huh. and he's read it. You've read it. Uh-huh. I, I listen to it I in an audiobook it, yeah, <laughs> when I, I run. <laughs> I go back to it from time to time. Every couple of years, I pull it out and read it again. And that was the one book that I... Well, there's a couple books that I will listen to, but that was one of the audiobooks I listened to when I run. I prefer to listen to music, but it was pretty good. It was definitely yeah. worth it. I mean, it's an old classic. It's it probably, is. what, 70 years old by now, but... Uh, I think it really does a good job of things. So, And also some personal influences on simplicity. One is my Annie Paulette. I mentioned her uh, just briefly a long time ago in one of the episodes. She was a Franciscan nun. And, you know, she lived a life from the time she was, I think, 16 or 17 years old. And uh, pursuing her her passion, lived simply, uh, you know, didn't didn't have any money, vows of poverty, all that. And, uh, And she really just taught and inspired others is what she did as a just a good person and and we always got something for christmas when she would come to stay with us or whenever she came to visit she'd bring like a little shoe box and it was just like a little trinket of something that she picked up along the way and that was for you know each one of us kids we had seven kids and so everybody got a little something and it wasn't and it was just a thoughtful thing you know, it might be a pair of socks or it was some marbles uh-huh. or something like that. But it was like, that was a present from Annie Paulette. And it was just awesome. Aww. And my mom and dad, they, you know, they have, they lived their life simply. And my dad still is pretty simply. And um, they made sure we never knew that we were doing without anything. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we had a happy family and we still do. And um, one thing is my mom has for her finances and you know this because you did her files Uh my oldest brother when he was a toddler he had a handy andy tool set and it came in this red metal box and when he kind of outgrew that my mom asked him 
if she could have that because she wanted to use that for our bills. And to this day, and you know, my mom just passed away, but she had that handy-andy toolbox, and all of the important stuff was in the handy-andy toolbox to this day. And And I didn't change that when I helped organize it. That's almost 60 years. You can't. You don't want to change that. You can't change that habit. That's a long, (laughs) ingrained habit. And it worked, though. It was simple, and it worked. Every one of us went to that handy-andy toolbox because she she managed her the money with envelopes and then mm-hmm. you know when you used to back in the day you'd go to the bank and you'd get what was called a passbook I know that's long before your time but you'd get a passbook <laughs> yeah, huh? because there was a time before they had these ATM machines yeah you had to plan if you didn't have any money in your pocket there, was it? there wasn't any way you were going to get yeah. any until the bank opens and you took your bank book and you went there and you did a withdrawal yeah you know <laughs> they didn't have this you know any of this newfangled stuff that you kids get yeah withdrawal <laughs> a withdrawal actually required some physical action yes, on your you, part not you just actually, a couple had, of punches of a button yeah, on like, on the you had to go there you had to you <laughs> i had remember to that back in the slip. day yeah right. i don't know about a passbook but yeah. i used to, have to do the withdrawals and all that stuff and they each one of these transactions was logged in your passbook you know mm. and it's just that's how it went but we all went to this little handy andy toolkit to get our passbook and sure. so every one of my brothers and sisters had that you know it's neat and um and so, but we just live simply. But I always, one of the kind of things I always say about mom, you know, we had five boys in the family, two girls. I said, but she always made sure that all the boys changed their underwear every day. I changed with Kevin. Kevin changed with Ricky. Ricky changed with Bobby. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, of course, that's a joke. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's uh, but we but we lived a pretty uh, simple existence and yeah. and we loved it. I couldn't I could not ask for better parents and and, and a happier right. childhood. So awesome. So I guess I just want to kind of wrap a few things up with this one. But I know I've I've, I've kind of carried on a little bit. But if any of the resources can be helpful to you, there are links in the show notes. Just go check them out. And some might be just what you need, and others might have just been right for me at the right time. And one thing I want to leave is this. Once you decide to simplify, the resources are going to reveal themselves to you as you look. You'll look around and you'll be surprised when you look back just what resources served you well and others that led you to take uh, you know, a different fork in the road. Mm-hmm. And it's our goal, mine and Vanessa's, to become a resource for you and to share what we've learned along the way. And I, I wish that I could just print out a roadmap for you to follow, but your life, your desires, your motivations, and your dreams, they're different from mine, and they're different from Vanessa's. And some things you can print out a, a, a checklist or a roadmap for, like the website guide is a good, you know, it's a good roadmap if you're mm-hmm. developing a website. But then you're going to fine tune that, make it your own. And exactly, it, you know. exactly. A good, solid how-to on your journey of simplicity doesn't exist. You can come up with basics, but you have to come up with your own guide. We can help you and we can kind of guide you along the way, but you're the one who has to choose the steps. And you know what? We wouldn't tell you it was possible if it wasn't. You can do it. You can find your way just like we're finding ours. And you know, you might have to reach around a little bit in the dark, but (laughs) you'll find it. You'll get there. And if we can help, just let us know how. Oh, that's All awesome. Right. Well, thanks for sharing. You're very welcome. It's ironic because I was just uh, interviewed yesterday by Lourdes Wellhaven of Networking for Business Women, and she has a podcast. And you know, I was talking about the whole lifestyle to to work around our lifestyle instead of our work. Our lifestyles to revolve around our work or right. molded around that. Anyway, she knew exactly what I was talking about. She's like, I love that. And then she was like. She was talking about Tim Ferriss and all that stuff. And she's a businesswoman. I mean, and she's, but she, 
but she figured out what she wants to do and and she loved his book because it was it helped her kind of simplify some things or think about things differently from a business perspective sure. and whatnot or even just a personal perspective so so even though like you said from the beginning that this these books may not seem like they're simplicity, simplicity books, books yeah. specifically but they really were an influence in our lives and for us to kind of focus in on really what we want to do right. and do that lifestyle and that work design, all that kind of stuff. So very cool. Thanks for sharing. My pleasure. Lovely. So you're up next. Okay. Well, I'm going to talk about learning styles and organizing. And, you know, I think, I think most of us get a lot of satisfaction of working with and helping others. And it's like, for me, it's incredibly rewarding to be able to help someone work through a problem and then seeing them with that sense of relief, like, you know, the, that oh, expression, <laughs> yep. that, that instant relaxing of the shoulders, you know, kind of relief or that the light bulb just went off in their head kind of look. And you see that's like, oh yeah, I can't, you see how someone's so excited because they finally get something or just that beaming sense of accomplishment. Um, it's pretty amazing for both me and a client when I'm able to do this and work with them. Yeah. When you get, when they get to step back and they, they take it all in and like, wow. Yeah, when yep. when just a little bit ago they had all these doubts and just right. didn't think it was possible or they were just stuck. And, and you took them from chaos to calm. That's right. <laughs> well, I really get a kick out of that. And um, But what I really get a kick out of is, or what really kind of drives and motivates me as a professional organizer is the whole process of trying to solve my clients' problems and figure out the best solutions to help them fix those problems. I love being able to kind of pick up on the verbal and nonverbal clues to figure out why my clients are struggling in a particular area. It's like a it's like a challenge for me, I guess. And I just can't wait to figure it out. And I'm even, you know, especially when I can't figure it out, it's like I'm even more determined. It's like <laughs> right. this big challenge. I'm like, I am I will figure it out. You know, it'll just eat at me and eat at me until I just kind of figure out a better solution for them. So anyways, most of the time I can figure out pretty quickly what the main culprits are that are holding my clients back just by listening to what they say or how they say it and by the patterns of like physical clutter that I see around. I can pick up pretty quickly on that stuff. Now, I certainly can't figure out all the reasons a client is stuck because I'm not a psychologist or a doctor or a mind reader. A lot of times my clients aren't telling me all the information I need, so it's up to me to kind of yeah. pull it out of them sometimes. But I can usually determine most of the overarching obstacles. Um, I actually get a real kick out of that. I think yeah. it's just kind of it's just neat to be able to kind of put all these skills together and You'll pick up on that stuff with your experience and training and whatnot. So, anyways, there are several tools that I use in my organizer's toolkit to help me solve those problems. Are they like secret tools or? Uh, you know, I, they are. Secret. Hey, I, I fessed up some of my secret military <laughs> communication. You gotta. Okay, you gotta, maybe I'll do a you know F O U O for okay. official use only. Okay, kind of right. tools. Is that'll that good? Work. That'll work. Yep. <laughs> but one of those is identifying what my client's basic learning style is. Gotcha. So there are different types of learning and schools of thought out there about the styles of learning, um, and you're probably already familiar with them. There are left and right brain thinkers. There's, that's kind of one school of thought. And you may have also heard of this other way of learning, um, or other ways like auditory, visual, and kinesthetic learners. Right. I'm and, an audio guy. Oh, you are, definitely, by far. And so what I thought today I would do is describe each of these and give you some examples on how a person might be better able to get organized or just how they kind of learn information and maybe give you just a couple examples here and there. I just think it's kind of interesting to kind of learn the, the different ways that people learn or at least be aware of them because then that's going to help you improve your interaction with them. Sounds good. Okay, so left brain and right brain dominance theory really kind of gained popularity back in the 80s. And that, I know it's going way back. <laughs> it's going way back in the day, right? <laughs> Gosh, it just seems like yesterday. 
<laughs> well, it gained popularity after the works of neuropsychologist and Nobel Prize winner Roger Wolcott Sperry's study on epilepsy and the corpus callosum. I'm not sure exactly what the heck that is, but it has something to do yeah. with connecting the two brain hemispheres. If I remember my Latin, it's big brain. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, colossum, like colossus. Like and col- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's something to do with those two big you know, two brain hemispheres. That's all I know, okay? Yeah. <laughs> but all you need to know is that he's a smart dead guy. There you go. <laughs> and so that yep. totally qualifies him of as a genius, right? Yeah. Because Dan, Dan likes to talk about dead guys a lot, you know, smart yeah. dead guys. So. I like to quote him. So I thought I would too. You know, I'm trying to trying to be cool too. <laughs> Anywho, the idea here is that each side of the brain controls certain types of thinking and that people tend to lean to one side or the other. This theory has been stretched a little beyond its initial research, I think, and, and findings, but it can be useful in understanding ways that people think and learn. So the theory basically describes that left brain dominant thinkers are more adept to tasks that involve logic, language, and analytical thinking whereas right-brain dominant thinkers tend to be best at expressive and creative tasks. Okay. So, for example, left-brain dominant thinkers prefer details first to understand the whole. They like to put pieces together to draw conclusions. They also like lists and think sequentially. They are rule followers, and they tend to process math and language symbolically. A right-brain dominant thinker tends to prefer seeing the whole picture first before the details. That's me. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm the different I'm I'm the opposite yeah. I'm the left brain dominant in that regard as far as I want I gotta understand the bits and pieces before I understand the big picture so anyways back to right brain dominant thinkers they also like to use nonverbal expression sometimes they tend to be rule breakers um, they like to touch feel or see to visualize as opposed to math and language and they tend to like to use colors to learn or actually walk through a sequence to understand something kind of makes sense yeah. Now, I tend to fall into both categories, and many folks probably exhibit characteristics of both, but lean more towards one side or the other, I think. Um, you know, and I personally have taken tests and scored smack dab in the middle, though. I remember taking the, are you left brain or right brain dominant? And it was zero. I didn't lean left or right. It was right there in the middle. But, you know, whether these tests are completely accurate or not isn't that important. What I think is it's important to identify which way a person tends to lean Um, so that you're better able to kind of work with them on a professional or personal level. At least that's kind of how I like to work with my clients. So you're you're saying that, you know, you like to analyze the way they are. You do that through asking some questions, kind of just kind of establishing rapport with the client. Yeah, when you start talking to them and you try to explain the big picture to them and they don't understand that, then I know I have to step back and go, okay, well, this is what we're going to do first. And I go step by step, you can tell there's some people that want step by step by step, and there's other people that just say, just tell me what it's going to look like in the end. Right. I just tell me it's going to happen, cool. and I okay. say, yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to be done. But you can pick up on that from some you know, visual clues and just some verbal clues, too. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's another example. If you know someone, let's say your boss, who keeps pounding you for the details and likes numbers, 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 then you know that future interactions with the boss need to be geared towards her way of understanding. Right. So you want to, you want to be feeding... The way, that, the way that they grasp information, mm-hmm. you want to kind of feed that. I mean, I've had bosses like that. that are, you know, they start oh, asking, yeah. well, what's the percentage? What's this? What's that? And then you're like, okay, they're a numbers person. So the right. next time that you interact with them, that you know that, hey, we need to have specifics. We need to have percentages and all the stats and stuff right. like that. But let's say your boss is kind of yawning every time you pull up a <laughs> spreadsheet full of stats. But that the second you pull up a slideshow with its colorful 
pie charts and pictures, you know that she tends to like seeing the whole picture rather than the minutia. Right. So that's just that's more of a right brain dominant person. So I just think that it can be very helpful when you're working with with folks. Now there are other categories and different ways of learning, which I talked about earlier, um, and that's the auditory, visual, and kinesthetic learners. And honestly, professional organizers tend to use these categories a little more than merely left and right brain dominance yeah. when we organize. So the first one is auditory learners. They prefer using hearing to learn. This is probably the least common style of learning. It's pretty unique. But auditory learners like to listen to a lecture rather than taking notes. They can grasp verbal instructions or directions easily, and they learn from discussions. This is totally Dan right here. Um, So anyway, with that in mind, auditory learners probably would be better served using like alarm clocks to keep track of time and staying productive, using voice recorders to capture lectures and discussions, and then just kind of regurgitating those those notes through the voice recorder. Um, They like to have Sometimes I like to have music playing or television on in the background, which you do sometimes, and it yeah. drives me nuts sometimes when I'm in the house. Well, and I'm like, I can't concentrate because the news is on. When you're done with the list, i got to come back. i got an example for you. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then sometimes these auditory learners, they like to have an assistant recite tasks to them rather than send them emails. Um, you know, like I said, Dan is an auditory learner, which is why he's so drawn to the podcast and can recall commercials from way back in the day, like the old <laughs> Time Life West books. <laughs> what, commercials, remember? <laughs> the can old West do? books from no, Time Life. I'm not going to Come on, just <laughs> one, one line, please, for the listeners. Go ahead. The old West. Not much left anymore. A few crumbling buildings, dusty mementos, and legends. Lots of legends. Not, not, <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm done. But yeah, I, I do. I had that memorized. <laughs> I mean, he, I can't get, years and years later, he has, yeah. he can't get it out of his head. Yeah. That's All amazing right. to me. So last week I talked about ironing as one of my rituals, right? Right. Well, when I was going to an intensive school, like I went to the Army Pathfinder School, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the first three days is just, it's a bunch of memorization on sling loads and charts and pieces and parts. And a lot of that was new to me. You know, the nomenclature was new to me. I've touched it and felt it before, but the nomenclature that you had to know was new to me. And so I recorded that into a voice recorder. And as I'm ironing my uniforms and doing everything else, I would listen to my recorded voice of that stuff over and over. Wow. And then we had to memorize charts and tables, the whole thing, without a picture. And I would just do that through through my voice recorder. Wow. So, yeah, exactly this. See, that would just totally not work for me. But see, you know, the thing for me, the bummer about, I think it's so cool that he has this trait, that he's an auditory learner, but it's such a bummer because I really have to watch what I say because oh, yeah. he's more likely to remember yeah. than I am what I what I said. Oh, I know exactly what you said. <sighs> <laughs> I haven't thought about carrying my own voice recorder to That's say, did I really? That's not what you said. What you said was. <laughs> I'm yeah. like... I mean, like a second later, I still can't recall what yeah. I just said. Well, you know, it's, it's funny. I'm totally going off on a tangent now, but <laughs> but you know, when we when we're done recording the podcast, then I go into post production and editing, right? <laughs> I as as I make a, if if we're recording and I make a mistake, it's it's automatic where I can pick up with the exact tones that I was using when it broke off, or you can too, without trying to remember it. It's like a little DVR. It's an auditory DVR in my head, you know? Oh, wow. Or digital audio recorder, I guess it would be. But if we made a break somewhere on the audio, and I said, well, say that again, and I could tell exactly if it has a different tone to it. Oh, yeah, sure. Or And and, and if you don't get the tone right, it sounds crazy and, and, uh, 
in post-production. And I'm so, laughing over here because like he can pick up on all kinds of sounds. Yeah. He can hear just tiny little trickles of water in the walls or whatever. Yes. And like the car, you notice the sound in my yep. car? Yeah. I was just totally oblivious to it. I yeah. and, and sure enough, there was something wrong, and he took yeah. it in to get fixed. It's my spidey but, senses. But I'm like, oh my goodness. I got, back, I got bit by a spider on the back of the neck, and ever since then, you know, <laughs> That's it. everything jives me up the wall. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, so the next style of learning is visual. Visual learners prefer using their sight to take in information. They like to see things like demonstrations to understand how something really works. They like to make lists or organize to help them organize their thoughts, and they like to use imagery and descriptions. With visual learners, it's important to use visual cues like pictures and diagrams, colors to categorize or easily identify items, Labels are great to help mark containers, drawers, shelves, papers, etc. And they like to make lists and they like to use calendars to keep track of appointments. As opposed to like Dan, you could just tell him what an appointment is and usually he remembers. Yeah. Usually. Sometimes he doesn't. <laughs> but <laughs> but usually he can just remember just by you telling him. Whereas I check my calendar like religiously. <laughs> right. Like a couple times a day. So those are visual learners. Kinesthetic learning is the last style of learning, and kinesthetic learners prefer to learn by actually doing things, to perform rather than listen or watch a task or to touch items to understand their use. So when working with a kinesthetic learner, um, it's best to let them perform tasks step by step. You know, for example, Dan had to show me step by step on how to create a Google Doc. He can, so I'm both a visual and a kinesthetic learner, really. Mm -hmm. So he can explain something and I give him like this during the headlights look like I'm listening and I'm hearing what you're saying, but I, I can't process yeah. it. You know, here's what I think though. Hmm. I think you're a kinesthetic learner, but I think that you reinforce it through visual visual means. Yeah, I really do. Like writing stuff down. Right. You do don't that, learn, yeah. you don't learn by lists and labeling. Mm-mm. You learn by doing and then you, and then you supplement it and reinforce it. Uh, visually absolutely yeah and a lot of folks are kinesthetic learners i mean yeah. uh, the majority of you know folks out there are kinesthetic or or visual but uh but you know another helpful, helpful thing for them is to to write down notes during lecture or discussion i have to actually write my notes and that's how i studied all through i couldn't just read the text i had to actually write what i was reading in the textbooks down right you know i would break it down almost exactly sometimes like that and yeah where dan is like <sighs> I had six pages of notes for my entire master's course. Insane. For a year and a half. But uh, that's just how I, and I don't. That, and he got straight A's. But uh, that's just You're how I geek. learned. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. love it. It's awesome. It's amazing. Well, but I'm like, wow. He didn't have to write down hardly any no. notes. So, so other things that you can do with kinesthetic learners is they like, uh, you can draw pictures or diagrams, or that's what they like. They like to, to actually draw things out themselves to help reinforce a concept. And they really like to touch tools and, like for my clients, organizing products to help them understand how they actually work. Like even something like a label maker, sometimes I'll show that to my client and say, okay, I want you to actually type in the stuff, um, you know, the different labels, or actually have them label the file tabs and put the file tabs on the hanging folders and put the hanging folder into the file system. So... They know how to use it. It's it's crazy, but you just pick up on that's how yeah. folks learn, and so so that's just kind of a good thing to know. So why is this important? And what you know? What's my point in sharing these types of learning styles with you? Well, kind of like I said before, is I think I think it's really going to help you kind of communicate with people. 
Um, but the thing is, I think too often we try to take a cookie cutter approach to everything in our lives. Like this is the best way to parent. This is the best way to complete a project, the best way to teach or the best way to organize or even the best way to live. Just like Dan was talking about, you know, we'd love if we could just tell you, here's the, here's, here's the, the blueprint. Here's yeah. the way to do it. Um, but th- it's not that easy. It really isn't. The fact of the matter is, is that we're all wired differently and there's just no easy button or one way of doing things. I just thought by sharing some of these tips on the different ways that people learn, that maybe it can help you at work or at home in your own relationships. Knowing how folks best receive and learn information will, I mean, I think will really only help you communicate better. And like we've been talking about, knowing that Dan is an auditory learner, I know that I can simply speak to him and share my honey-do list (laughs) (laughs) rather than having to write them down. And conversely, Dan knows that I'm such a visual and kinesthetic learner that he has to write things down for me. He can't just say, all right, Vanessa, I need... uh, we were out of turkey or whatever. I'm like, that's lovely, but it needs to be on the list. It needs to be on the board. Because uh, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm just not going to process that. I'm going to forget it in about five seconds, you know? <laughs> <laughs> or when he's talking about this idea, like like when he was making the plans for the dream home or for um, our previous dream home <laughs> yeah. or like the office, he's describing it to me and even like using his hands and trying to show me, but I'm like, I, you need to actually sketch it out for me to, for me to understand it. And, and so just knowing that it, it just helps us in our relationship of how we need to kind of communicate. Yeah. And it's the same thing with kids. I mean, um, our son isn't, I don't know if he's much of an auditory learner. I think he is in some ways. But, but like, I know he can't recall certain tasks, but I have to write them down for him. Like, if right. I give him a list, obviously, he's going to go step yeah, by step from the checklist. But sometimes he's not very good at recalling even just one task or two tasks or, you know. So, but in our daughter, she's still young, but I noticed that she's, She's very good at hearing and seeing instructions only once. Like, if I tell her to do something, if it's not more than three tasks, she's pretty good about getting the task done. Or if I just show her, here's how you do this, I don't have to walk her through it. She doesn't have to demonstrate. Right. I mean, she can. She's like, okay, got it. I mean, she's only five and a half. Law of primacy. So man. she's very visual. I mean, she could pick up on the visual cues, and I think she's a little bit auditory as well. So, so like I said, just knowing those things kind of gives you a little bit of an... I want to say an advantage, but just kind of helps you with how to work with either your family members or coworkers or whoever you come across, you know, in your lives. And so I just think it's kind of a cool tool. I think that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, that that really is, um, that could go along with episode 10 with uh, communication techniques mm-hmm. is knowing, because one of the things you do, you know, when I used to teach public speaking, it was number one thing, analyze the receiving audience. Yeah. Right. And so when you're working with somebody, if it's a if you're trying to pass pass on either knowledge um, or performance tasks, then you need to know the style of learning. Otherwise, you haven't analyzed your audience, right. and, and your message isn't going to be received. Remember, sender, message, receiver, and feedback. Right. The message will not be effectively received, and um, and the only way you'll know is from feedback. They're not being able to perform the task because you didn't analyze them right. That's your fault. Yep. Yeah, you know, good was, stuff. Yeah, and I was listening to this um, this professional speaker talking about just some tips on speaking, and she said, you know, um, and not to to generalize too much, but a lot of men like numbers. And so, if you've got an audience and you're trying to sell something to them, or you know, have them buy into some idea or whatever, sell them by showing them the numbers. They want to see numbers, and I've realized that with some of my clients, or uh, especially like some of the the spouses, because most of my clients are women. Um, and, and to get their buy-in from their spouse, I've got to let them know, um, 
I'll say, okay, you're going to feel so much. I do the touchy feely with them on how they're going to feel about getting the organizing done. But for the husband to try to justify either the, the part me? to the expense, yep. I say, okay, but I break it down into, okay, yeah, it's, it's three days, but it's with two organizers, you know, five or 10, you know, 10 man, man hours per session. I mean, that would take you how long to do. And so once I break it down into the numbers and things like that, or how much time they're wasting otherwise, or money that they're wasting doing other things, they get it. They right. want to see the numbers, yeah. you know? So it's just kind of cool. It's just a good way to kind of make things a little simple for you. And at the very least, maybe you've learned a little bit about yourself, you know, and about some others in your life and how, how they learn. So like I said, just another tool to use in your toolkit to help you simplify your life and the life you share with others. So, Sounds great. Well, that Good was stuff. my topic for today. All right. Well, that, we'll be able to put that to use. Okay. Well, let's move on to the thing segment. Okay. I got a quick thing segment um, this time, and mine is Google Cloud Print. The cool thing is, you know, up until I found this, I just found this. I didn't, I guess I really didn't even look it up, but uh, um, I just said, I saw something that popped up on my screen as I was in Google Chrome. I'm, I use Google Chrome uh, as my browser. Uh, for probably 95% of what I do, I use Google Chrome. Mm-hmm. And uh, something popped up and it said Google Cloud Print. And it just I just followed the rabbit down the hole, right? And so <laughs> I, I went into my settings. And you can use Google Cloud Print to save items to your Google Drive from the Chrome browser, including Gmail. So what I mean by that is, say if you're in Google Chrome and you're looking at a website, if you wanted to save that website page into Google Chrome before, a lot of times I'd do a screenshot, download it or whatever, download it and then upload it to Google Drive. Right. Uh, you couldn't just like right click and save as to Google Drive. Even a, even a Gmail message, you couldn't save that directly to, to Google Drive. And heck, that's right. They own it. And um, But what you can do is if you set up your Google Cloud Print, it gives you the option. You know how when you go to print something, it's like select a printer? Uh-huh. Well, you can select save to Google Drive. Ooh. So it's for web pages and even attachments in Gmail. And the way to do, that you do that in Chrome is, uh, and it'll be in the show notes, you go to Chrome and then Preferences, then Show Advanced Settings, Google Cloud Print, and then Manage Printers. And it kind of takes you through that process. And I'm also going to put a link in the show notes to um, a whole page about what Google Chrome is, or I'm sorry, what uh, Google Cloud Print is and what you can do with it. That's good. So look in the show notes. It's uh, just a hyperlink to Google Cloud Print and their fact sheet. Well, that's really cool. All right, and that's it. Oh, good. Well, I've got a tech tip too. We'll leave it as my thing. She is crazy. <laughs> uh, so I'm studying to get certified as a professional organizer, which I'm still a little nervous about, but... Got about a week on your for your oh, exam. Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> I just hope it, everything goes well. Anywho's, um, well, I thought to help me with studying, I would try out the Evernote Peak, and I think you've mentioned it before. Yeah. But it's Evernote Peak app for iPad, and basically, it's like creating your own digital flashcards. So how it works is that you download the app and you link it to your Evernote account. Then you go into your Evernote account and create a notebook. For example, my notebook is called BCPO Exam Study Questions. And then you open up, indiv- so within that notebook, then you open up individual notes in the notebook to create a flashcard. So basically every note will act as an individual flashcard. And then under the title block in the note, you type in a question or a clue. Then in the text box or body of the note, you write in the answer. So, and then what you do is once you've got that all set up in your notebook, you want to make sure it's you sync it and then it's all updated right. and you're good to go. 
Then you open up your Evernote Peak app and click on the notebook you want to view. Then using your smart cover, you lift it up just enough to see the clue because it'll be listed on the screen at the bottom. And then you lift it up a little bit higher to see the answer. It's and so like peekaboo. It's a peekaboo. <laughs> <laughs> peekaboo smart cards. So it's really, it's pretty cool. Um, and it's a, it's a pretty decent app. Um, there are some limitations to it. The first thing is that there, there's a character limit for the question. So you can't have complex questions in there which I did at first, and then I had to kind of go back and create new flashcards. So that was kind of a bummer. But So it's just kind of a one-liner thing and limited characters, like I said. And then the second thing is that um, the text box itself, as far as the answer, you have to limit yourself to about three lines um, because you can't scroll. It doesn't allow you to scroll. So that's kind of one of the features that some of the um, folks have been asking that they include or update, and they haven't done it. It's been, I guess, a year, and they haven't done it. but, But I still like it. I think, you know... Honestly, with flashcards, they need to be simple. It just needs to be a simple question, simple answers for you to recall it anyway. And so the good thing to me, though, is that it's it's stored in your Evernote account as a notebook so that even if you have to have complex things as as part of your studying, then you have it. You always have access to it in your Evernote. And so you can have more complex questions. And I just think that's really kind of neat. So. I like it. It's working out well, and um, I guess we'll find out next week if it really worked out. <laughs> and I, I think it's heck of, a heck of a lot better than handwriting and carrying bulky index oh, cards know. with you everywhere. They need so. to have audio ones for me. That's right. Now, now yeah. that you have, you know, since you got voice notes and and clue, and note, why not? So clue answer. There you go. <laughs> no, anyway, that's that's my thing. All right. Okay, so that's it for episode thirty-one of Simple Life Together. On today's show, Dan talked about simplicity resources, and I talked about styles of learning. And my thing was Google Cloud Print, and Vanessa's thing was Evernote Peak. Peekaboo. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, you can find all the links and info from today's show at simplelifetogether.com slash 031. Head over to simplelifetogether.com where you can sign up for the Edit and Forget It challenge over in the left column of the site. Also, check out the Google Drive tutorial. Just click through the new tutorials tab on the top of the page. And of course, you can connect with us on Twitter. I'm at Daniel Hayes, and Vanessa is at Get Simplified. And we have links to our Twitter and Google Plus profiles on the website. So let us know what you think of the show and how you're simplifying your life, too. We'd absolutely love to hear from you. So until next time, we hope you enjoy your simple life together. Simple life together.